So last week, um, my wife Kara preached, and she wonderfully unpacked the story of Jesus engaging the Samaritan woman at the well, um, as told in John chapter 4. And if you didn't hear that message, then I encourage you guys to go online and hear that message, um, because it was wonderful, and it was wonderful just the truth being told of how we can be changed in the presence of God, how a surrendered heart and a hungry heart and a teachable heart combined with the presence of God brings about radical change that can affect our community. And that's exactly what took place with the Samaritan woman. So I encourage you guys to circle back on that if you if you haven't heard that. That, that message that Kara preached on presence is part of a series that we are preaching right now on our church culture. And the things that we're talking about in the midst of these series are the values that we believe are worth contending for. These things are worth fighting for. These are things that we hold valuable and precious and powerful. And that in everything we do, these are the values that that we just want to demonstrate and point people to Christ with. So in thinking about the Samaritan woman at the well... It seems to me that our failures in discipleship, which is the topic of today's message, our failures in discipleship and our failures in evangelism are so often failures in love. Nothing is more guaranteed to draw people to change. Nothing is more guaranteed to draw people to a place of healing. Nothing is more guaranteed to draw people to the living water of Jesus Christ that we have to share than truly demonstrating that we care about them. Truly demonstrating that we love. So that brings us to point number one in my message in talking about discipleship. Number one, discipleship is all about love. So I want to read a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And and we know this as the love chapter. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Thank you, Katie. (laughs) Thank you for that wonderful demonstration. Without love, you did awesome. Without love, the things that we bring forth, our efforts, they're distracting, they're ineffective. And sometimes they're just plain old annoying without love. Without love. Our efforts of discipleship without love are the same. So let me read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7 without the uh, professions. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong 
or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. That's remarkable. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. I love the visual of that. Love rejoices whenever Jesus gets his way. Love rejoices when Jesus wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Discipleship is always about love. Discipleship is about Jesus winning because discipleship is about people growing deeper in relationship and in love with Jesus. So right now, early in this message, it feels like a good time to tell you what discipleship is not. But first, an allegory. Yes. So um, I would like to say that this was just when Karen and I first got married, but it's not true. It's many times throughout our 23 years of marriage, um, soon, to, soon to be 23 years of marriage, 22 years of marriage, we've, we've kind of, I've made mistakes in this area. See, um, when, when I grew up, uh, I knew that, that dinner was taken care of because this woman right here took care of dinner. You know, even though she worked full time, she still prepared dinner every night. Well, then in 1997, I married Kara Camille Harper, who has worked, uh, Kara Camille Johnston Harper, um, who, who has had a job and worked the whole time throughout our, our marriage. But early on, I made this assumption that come like four or five o'clock, I didn't have to worry about, about helping with dinner because... Well, my mom always had dinner ready, so naturally Kara would have dinner ready. And throughout our marriage, she's lovingly reminded me, this is a team effort. This is a cooperative effort. And I cook well, and I like to eat, clearly. And so what I've learned is if it's not in the calendar, because we have like about three scheduled meals a week, and then we plan on leftovers from those. And then we leave some nights open for like a fin for yourself or maybe, you know, it's 50 cent wing night, you know, lazy dog or something. And we're like, hey, we'll go out, you know, about once a week or, or you know, not quite that much. But we have three planned meals. So there's, it's pretty common now. I'll send Kara a text. Tonight's not a planned meal night. Do you have any thoughts or any cravings? But what I used to do was, what do you have planned for dinner? And that was a mistake. 
Now it's like, hey, babe, what are your thoughts on dinner? And then often I'll get this, I have no thoughts. Like, like she's in the middle of something, she is busy, she's slammed, or she's you know, stressed at work. And I'll reply, I got it, baby. I got dinner's taken care of. Because I'm capable, I can cook. But early on, it was just a, a matter of assumption, a matter of misunderstanding. I'm letting you guys know that when it comes to discipleship, we make this same misunderstanding and we think that discipleship is the sole responsibility of the pastors, of a program. The discipleship is a program. It's a book. It's a curriculum. It's a, it's a, it's a series on, on DVD that, that you walk through in a separate class that meets on Tuesday nights. Or It's a program or it's the responsibility of the pastors. And I'm letting you guys know, just as mistaken as it was when I was younger to think, younger meaning last week, to think that the responsibility of dinner was upon my wife. If we think the responsibility of discipleship is upon the pastor, we're mistaken. Or maybe I should say of solely on the pastor. In Matthew 28, we see Jesus speak these words, verses 18 through 20. Now Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all peoples, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This isn't a command given to follow a program. This isn't a command given just to pastors. Who is this spoken to? Us. Every one of us. This was spoken to, to every believer. This was spoken to disciples. This was Jesus saying, disciples, make other disciples. So how do we accomplish this? Well, I'll tell you the good news. Number one, we accomplish this with power. We have been given power to do this. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. Once he was eating with them, well, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think it's cool if I can just pause. I have another verse to read in verse 8. Um, when Carol was reading last week out of John chapter 4, there was an interesting line there that, that just always stands out to me where that Jesus talked about people following and it said, but he didn't baptize any of them. His disciples did. And that's somewhat, you know, water baptism. They were baptized but in water, but he didn't baptize any of them. His disciples did that. Do you guys know why that is? Because Jesus is described as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And, and he didn't want to muddy the waters, if you will. He wanted it to be clear, hey, my disciples are baptizing in water, but I will baptize in the Holy Spirit. And verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. 
in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and then, of course, we have to laugh at this, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think that's so funny that he put in Samaria because when Jesus had this incredible evangelistic and discipleship moment with the Samaritan woman at the well, his disciples were all finding food. They missed it. They missed the whole opportunity because they were hangry. And they couldn't get their minds off themselves. And I, I'll, tur- I'll turn over here because I know some of y'all like are often hangry. And y'all are like darn near unbearable when you're hangry. I'm just being honest. Speaking the truth and I guess that wasn't love. I don't. So his disciples were hangry. And they missed the opportunity that God had for them. And he's saying, don't worry, you'll, you'll have the opportunities again. Because you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we get to make disciples empowered by God to do so. I said, I want to talk about what discipleship is not. It's not a program and it's not just for pastors. It's for all of us. And discipleship is not about you, but it absolutely benefits you. I talked in the very first week of this series about a selfless love as opposed to a selfish love, as opposed to a self-centered or a self-serving or a self-directed love, but a selfless love. Discipleship has to be a selfless expression of love. We all have our love languages. We all have ways that we receive love, that we need to receive love and have that demonstrated. We're all unique. You know how Jesus... Here's love. Obedience. Obedience is his love language. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Why? Why does he say that? Because in keeping his commands and obeying him, we're demonstrating that we trust him. We're demonstrating that we love him. We're demonstrating that even if we don't understand or even if it doesn't make sense or even if it's inconvenient or even if it's painful for us, we want him to have his way above us having our way and that is love. The Bible tells us that true love lays down one's life for a friend. And that's exactly what Jesus demonstrated to us. Discipleship is not about knowledge, but rather it's about love. So I just, knowing that this is a value at Impact Rock, this is a value of this church, therefore it is a value of us. I just need to make this perfectly clear. This is not about an attaining of an appropriately mature level of knowledge. That's legalism unless we're talking about the knowing of Jesus. Unless we're talking about the knowing of Christ. This is not about a gathering of information so that we can boast about how wise we are, how smart we are, how knowledgeable we are, how learned we are. It's not about us. So check this out. 1 Corinthians 8, 
Paul was, was talking about, you know, different traditions. And, and he was talking about when, when followers of Jesus are invited to a meal where the, the food had been offered to a false god. The, the food had been like blessed, if you will, and offered in the name of a false god. Should you eat that food? And so this is what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 8.1. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. I want to read that again out of the ESV because um, I, I like the way that this phrases it. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. This is our take on discipleship, y'all. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Our goal of discipleship is to build up the church. According to this passage, how do we build up the church? Maybe we need to pull that scripture back up. How do we build up the church? Love. So what did discipleship look like in the early church? In Acts chapter 2, we see four expressions of love. For discipleship, building, strengthening efforts of love that resulted in just crazy multiplication of people following Jesus. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we read, Those who believed what Peter said, this is on the day of Pentecost, were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then I, I want to switch from New Living to, to ESV real quick because I, I like it. it. uses the same phrase twice here. Verse 46, just a few verses down. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we see that there were four things that people incorporated into their lives to come to become strong disciples of Christ. Number one, that first thing we just read there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to to being with Jesus and by learning his instructions, by learning what he says to do. I said that that obedience was Jesus' love language. They devoted themselves to seeing what Jesus said so that they could adequately express their love for him and that they could raise up another generation of, of followers of Jesus to love him, to obey him, to be strengthened by him, to have life in him. This was the first thing mentioned about the early church. They devoted 
themselves to the word. That word devoted, it's a strong word. They committed. They dedicated. It wasn't some wishy-washy, half-hearted, optional act. They were devoted to it. Church, are we devoted to being with Jesus, spending time with him, not out of obligation, but to hear his heart in his scripture, to hear from him, to let the Holy Spirit bring to life the words of Jesus? Are, Are we committed to that? Or do we treat that as some optional, if we have time, kind of thing? Loving God means we want to grow. Loving God means we want to learn and trust and obey. The mark of a true disciple is a hunger to study the word be taught the word and live according to the word. So I want to demystify studying the word. There's there's so many ways to study the word. I'm just going to tell you the the ways that we on Wednesday mornings, men's Bible study, there's, you know, oftentimes five, six, seven of us, sometimes four, but there's this consistent group. This is what we do. We We take a book of the Bible and we take one chapter. So right now, we're, we're in the book of Nehemiah. And we take one chapter, and then we look at how many verses there are in that chapter. Let's say there's 28. And then we look at how many men are there that morning, and let's say there's four. And we haven't had much coffee at this point, so sometimes we have to break out calculators, because now it's time to do math. And so we divide the number of verses by the number of men there, and we usually are right. So in this scenario, there'd be seven, right? Seven verses. And then we go around the table, and one guy reads seven verses, verses one through seven. Then the next guy picks it up and starts at verse eight and reads the next seven, the next guy, the next seven, the next guy. And then we sit and talk about it. We're like, oh, read that again, read that again. And then we go, okay, so I, I have the New Living. What are you reading out of? The ESV. Okay, listen to how, you've read that in the ESV, but um, listen to this one little subtle word change, and we'll read that, and we go, oh, that's good. But all of a sudden, you know, we're like, man, I wonder what that looked like in that area, and all of a sudden, someone's, Chris, you know, Chris Herman's on Google, and he's like, ooh, I, got, I found a map, and I'll pull up a map, and he'll send it to all of us, and we're like, okay, so here's a map of that area, and, and here's when he talks about this, this is what he's talking about, and talking about the rebuilding, you know, of the temple walls, Th- these are the different gates that were located Okay, now let's go back and let's read that again with that visual in mind. And we're like, okay, we got a visual of the fish gate and the dung gate, which is the poo gate. And, and then we laugh because you know, we're talking about poo gates. And, you know, and, then, and then an hour later, we pray and we're done. It's not rocket science. It's not. But I'll tell you what it is. It is discipleship. It is each one of us growing by, by just taking that dedicated time to seek Jesus in his word. And that's just one way. Honestly, I, I think there should be more than six, and seven, six or seven men at, at the Bible study. I think, we should, I think we should have so many people that Christos asks us to have the Bible study here at church because we're blocking their flow of traffic and it's a fire violation or what I don't know. 
So that said, all men and boys, I invite you guys to join us for Men's Bible Study on Wednesday. I know you ain't got school. You ain't got school? Okay? So get up and join us at Christos at 6 a.m. Six a.m. The second mark of the New Testament disciples is that they had fellowship with one another. Guys, the truth is we're, we're social beings and we need each other. We need interaction. We need fellowship. So I want you to think about something. I want you to think back to maybe when you first trusted in Jesus and you first started following him and you first started learning what he said and the things he said, hey, if you'll do this, you'll, you'll experience life, but you might be rejected by men because of me. And I want you to think about when we first started following Christ, some of the friendships we lost and some of the ways that people rejected us. Young people, I know because you take a stand for Jesus Christ and you say you're a follower of Christ, there's others who don't understand and they mock you and they reject you and, and that's for all of us. So we need fellowship. It's important to link arms with others and say, either you've been rejected by others for the sake of Christ or you're going to be rejected by others for the sake of Christ, but I will link arms with you. When do you want to grab a meal? When do you want to grab lunch? When do you want to grab coffee? When do you want to grab a beer? When do you want to have a tea? When do you want to do whatever? And just do life together. I'm not even talking about, at this point, I'm not even talking about Bible study now. I'm talking about fellowship. We need fellowship. We need to laugh. We need to talk. We need to share. We need to hear. We need to know that we're heard. We can feel alienated from others and that is why we need to connect with other believers so that we know that we're a part. Being a part of a community of believers is one of the ways we can grow spiritually as we learn to submit and receive instructions from one another. You guys, we need each other and healthy relationship is vital. We need to be accountable to one another. Accountability is key, and, and accountability is not saying, hey, every time you screw up, I'm going to point it out to you. That's how much I love you. Don't love me then. Please, don't love me so much. Accountability is, I love you, and when you blow it, which you're going to blow it, I'm not going to throw you down and kick you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk bad about you. I'm not going to stay away from you. I'm going to help you up. I'm going to help dust you off. I'm going to take a second and say, hey, do you know what caused you to fall? Let's, let's look at it. And now I'm going to be looking at that thing for you in the future. I'm going to have my eye on this thing. And I'm going to help you avoid this. You cool with that? Okay, let's walk together. That's accountability. You can't have it alone. People who say that, that they don't need to come to church. I tell you what, you better have fellowship. You better have fellowship because you can't do accountability by yourself. The third aspect of discipleship 
was meeting together to break bread, which is to share meals. And let me challenge y'all with this right now. Do not wait to be invited. That is, that is bull. Do not wait to be invited. That is not a victorious mindset. You do the inviting. You do the inviting. The enemy will use the, well, I'm just going to wait and see who invites me. Don't fall into that. You do the inviting. Yeah, but I'm always the one doing the inviting. Well, praise God. He's using you in the coolest ways. Praise God. Well, I'm all, I never get invited. Well, I don't. That's a rough mindset, friends. That's a rough mindset. That's a victim mentality, and we're not supposed to walk in that. We're supposed to walk in victory. I've invited myself to, to people's houses. Hey, I'm going to come to your house. I heard you make killer enchiladas. Win. I hear you make a mean fried bologna sandwich. Hey, I don't have much, but you know what? I can put together spaghetti. Like, whatever. But we're meant to do it together. There's something almost magical that happens when we break bread together. Like, our hearts become lighter. Our smiles become bigger. And then there's laughter, and there's times where, like, oh my gosh, I know this isn't as funny as how much I'm laughing, but it's because my heart is full of joy. I'm with someone that, that is pointing me to Jesus and that is showing care and concern and love for me. And we point each other to Christ just through that love, just through that, that kindness. And we do it together. All of these practical offerings, and these are, the things I've mentioned so far, they're practical. Fellowship is practical. Breaking bread together is practical. These practical offerings produce a spiritual benefit for the people involved. And this is what we see demonstrated by the New Testament church. This is how they embrace discipleship. And number four, the final element is mentioned over 30 times in the book of Acts alone. You guys know what it is? They prayed. They prayed together. They're on their knees before God, seeking Him, calling out to Him, praising Him, worshiping Him, interceding on behalf of others, praying for their own needs. We see it 30 times. In the book of Acts alone, the church was birthed in prayer as 120 faithful Christians gathered together after Jesus left because he said to do so. Stay in the city. Stay together. Wait. Seek me. Don't grow weary in waiting. Wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And 120 people stayed together. And prayed until that happened. So these are the things I believe as a church are worth fighting for. These are worth contending for. 
You guys, when I talk about us spending time in the Word of God, it is never about legalism. I, you notice I, I never, and I don't like to use superlatives. I don't like to use like always and never because I think that they're, I mean, I mean like often, never. I mean, but I can honestly say I never get up here and say, hey, it's all about spending one chapter a day in the Word. Hey, it's all about spending three minutes a day in the Word. Hey, it's all about spending two chapters I don't, put a, I don't put a number on it. It's about fellowship with God and asking the Holy Spirit to unpack scripture of what Jesus has said. But it, it, that matters. And then that matters in our walk with the Lord, but then it matters in us helping others, us discipling others, because we've all been called to make disciples. See, we think that we've only been called to be disciples. Jesus said, make disciples. And then... We see that just organically and lovingly, they did it in the most practical ways. So, I'm, you guys, we've tried programs. We've we've done a series on discipleship. We've offered we've offered programs and classes, and very much similar to like us offering. Hey, we we have a form of discipleship for men every. Every Wednesday morning, it's called Bible study. And four, five, six guys take advantage of that. It's not about the program. It's not about the program. It is about love. Discipleship is all about love. But you guys, we have to love God enough to desire to grow, to, to know what He says to repeat what he says, to demonstrate what he says, to tell others what he said. Oh, I got the coolest thing Jesus said. Boom. And we just share. Like, oh, that's so good. Where'd you get that? Jesus. Jesus said that. Isn't that good? Togetherness. Fellowship. Breaking bread together. Man, that's the epitome of not rocket science. We're not even told to eat healthy when we're together. Just get together and, and, and break bread together. And then pray. Pray. Talk about something. I mentioned that something like powerful happens when we break bread together. Something powerful happens when we pray together. When someone all of a sudden, we need to listen for those red flags of, hey, how was your day? Oof, it was rough. And then right there in our mind, we're like, after I've listened to them for a while, I want to pray for them. And they go, tell me about it. Tell me about why your day was rough. And they share and you go, let me pray for you. Lord, what, what my friend just shared was heavy. So Holy Spirit, would you just bring love and just, just alleviate this heaviness? And Lord Jesus, would you just like hug her, kiss her, embrace her with your goodness? Lord, would you just, Lord, I just speak peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be fancy. Fumble over your words. That's great. I never care when someone's praying over me and they fumble over the words. Never care. As a matter of fact, I think it, it's actually, it, it's more endearing because it's like, man, this person is so real and so vulnerable and they're just lifting me to the Lord right now. Love it. Talk about discipleship. It's all about love. It's these relational things done in love. It's making ourselves available. If we're not available... For fellowship, we're missing out and we're not being true disciples and we're not discipling others. 
for not doing life together and breaking bread together, for not grabbing a tea together or going for a walk together. Hey, I heard the forecast is going to be 58. That's gorgeous. I'm going for a walk at this time. You want to join me? Maybe next time. Whatever. So we do value discipleship. You guys, we don't value doing another program. I don't got time for another program. I have no inclination to have another program. What I do have inclination to do is to link arms with you, to love on you, to, to stir each other to good works in Christ Jesus so that God might be glorified, to do life with one another, to laugh, to cry, to be real, to be authentic, and then to pray. That, I got every day of the week for that. That sounds glorious to me. Doesn't that sound great to you? That's the value as a church discipleship that we hold dear. That's what we're called to do. It's not rocket science, friends. Can we stand up? I'm going to... I'm going to close in prayer real quick, but I think I've got one more good challenge in me for y'all. Let's do this. We we can't just be hearers of the word in this. We can't. We have to be doers of the word in this. In Acts chapter 2, it said there was great multiplication as a result of this simple model of discipleship, of showing love, of loving others, of believing in togetherness, that daily, day by day, people were added to their numbers. The kingdom of God needs to be advanced. People need to know his love and his grace. Let's be a part. Let's all be a part. Let's all be disciple makers, not in some weird programming way, but by being being totally in love with Jesus and sharing that love with those around us.